0: Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm gonna walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone, particularly important in these times. Today, in episode 278, I have the privilege of chatting with Troy Simons.
1: And we can raise up. Pharisees pretty easily, you know, and what that looks like is when they're, when they're disobeying, when they're kind of off the chain, be it at a young age or even an older age, you know, we work to modify their behavior. My, you know, my growing up, because it wasn't a real deliberate gospel conversation in the everyday, there was that clear expectation of this is what you will not do. These are the things that we expect you to do. And if you go off the reservation, you're going to get disciplined. Yeah. And there wasn't a heart conversation. Yeah, it, it was external, right? And so, what that meant was that somebody like me, and this truly was me, I was able to um, be a pretty good kid. You know, I obeyed the rules, I gave all the appearances, but my heart wasn't in it. My heart was not there. And um, that is obviously a very dangerous thing. You know, it would, like God says to Isaiah, you know, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Mm. The last thing that we want to do is, is teach our kids to honor God with their lips and not have their heart.
0: Troy and his wife, Ruth, Joe Simons, who's been on the show before, have written a new book. It's a devotional, really, for families. It's called Foundations. And honestly, as I was thinking about the intro for this show, I was really aware of the fact in a time when fear is running rampant and there are true threats but also these revealing moments of where our hope comes from. I, I can't think of a better time to really make the time to be with your family, to have conversations with your kids about the truth of God's Word, and to connect with their hearts. We no longer can just keep rules externally or focus on behavior. That Our kids need a firm foundation to stand on when the world around them is shaking. So join Troy and I in this conversation where we talk about his pain point of being overly intentional and his call for us to focus in on the hearts of our kids and lead them to the truth of the gospel. Hey, Troy, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on, Heather.
0: So Ruth has been on the show a couple times, and you and I spoke— what did we decide, two years ago, three years ago?
1: I think it was two.
0: Yeah, two. Okay. And I heard your story. I heard your thoughts about discipling our kids and being intentional in our family life. And back then, I was like, you have to come on the podcast. <laughs> so we're making it happen. Finally, Two years later. Two years later. God's perfect timing. Because uh, you all have this new book, Foundations, out And so I'd like to get into it. I'd like to set the stage because I interact with moms and um, as they know, there's a desire in their hearts for their husbands to be spiritual leaders and not just kind of leading them, the family to go to church, but in the home, bringing up God's word. And they might look to you and say, well, the Simons have it all figured out. They have Troy. He's fantastic. And, not know the whole story because you are fantastic, but what got you here? Like what got you to the point where you're intentional and yet also surrendered to God's big plan and not just some formula that's out there for perfect kids?
1: Right, right. As far as marriage is concerned, I'm 22 years in the making and I could use another 22 years of of work and shape. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, Ruth has a hashtag that she puts out all the time, marriage is sanctifying, and it is so true there's something every day that shows you, you know, the man that you are and uh, the the man that you need to be both as far as, a, you know, being a husband and uh, a father to, to my son. So always a work in progress and uh, thankful. So thankful for God's grace uh, as the means. Cause if it was up to me, I'd have probably given it up a long time ago cause I would have botched it a long time ago. And uh, so, yeah, you know, but anything but perfect. And I, I am, Super thankful for some of the things that the Lord has just hammered out, and that are very well established in our family. But um, there's always that sense of this needs to always be improving. There's better that I can do. There's there's a godlier me that that needs to uh, to exist and live. So that's kind of the that's kind of the way I go through every day.
0: So you feel that pressure yourself? That there's always more you could be doing? I, yeah, I
1: really do. And <laughs> it's one thing. There's a lot of armchair quarterbackness I think that we can get into as dads sometimes where we acknowledge, but we're not in the game. You know, when you get in the game, the, the pressure really comes on. And, and, you know, one of the things that I would love to encourage dads to do is say like, Hey, are you, are you in the game? And if you are, and you're like, really struggling to, to play well. Well, that's okay. Cause you made the first step, you made the first right step, get in the game. Don't just watch from the sidelines or, or try and delegate off some of these more important things of, of parenting and husbandry get to church or just, you know, hoping for the best, uh, crossing your fingers and going through the day, which is kind of what's, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's easily done. You know, some of the things that we do are tantamount to just hoping for the best and it's, that's not the, that's not the way to go. So I'm, I'm thankful for the ways in which the Lord has has brought rebuke and correction and has established some some foundational things, you know, in, in my parenting and my, being a husband that uh, I've learned year by year to then refine. I think the important thing is certainly just getting started.
0: So you and I were talking about how I said, have you always been intentional? And you said, yes, you have always been intentional. yes. (laughs) Yes. So talk to us about that. What did that look like? You have six boys. Was this something that you were raised by a super uh, intentional parents who were discipling you around the table? And so you emulated that. Or was this something that you had to kind of craft your own way? And, and what did that look like?
1: Yeah. So, you know, when you asked me that question earlier, I was like, I, I have to be honest. like Yes, I've, I've always wanted to be that super involved dad. I've always wanted to, to make priority out of being here when I'm here. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's most dads. But it's a challenge sometimes when you're in the workplace, when you're away from home, and then you come home, the, the tiredness and some of the distractions and... And sometimes the chaos that you step into from, uh, you know, what the family's been through for the day, it's really easy to kind of be distracted. And I've, I've not struggled like that, um, like I've seen some of my friends have. And like, I think it's just a, a pretty common thing. I've, I've always wanted to be deliberate, but I was, like I was sharing with you, <laughs> what God has done with that deliberateness is shown me where my confidence has been ill-placed. And so, you know, I kind of went into to being a dad with this attitude of like, I got this. And it was new and I was young and I had lots of energy and, and thank goodness for that because, you know, being a parent of young kids and stuff, you've you got to have a lot of a lot of moxie to just keep on going and, and have, uh, uh, you know, the strength to kind of make it through. But, you know, over the years, I've just seen where, you know, some of my attitudes, some of my confidences have really been misplaced. And the Lord has said, you know, there's a better way. There's There's a way of grace. There's my strength at work in you. I think a lot of the process of parenting is just kind of being brought to the end of yourself and God showing you where his grace is at, where his resources are at. So we talked about the fact that, you know, my, my upbringing, my parents were also deliberate and I really appreciated that. But my dad got home, he didn't bring work home, you know, which back in that day would have been a stack of paperwork. Now it's a computer. Right. Um, when he was home, he was pretty much home. And it was, it was really a blessing. And, you know, there, there were, there was a lot of TV and there were the things that we just all kind of did together. And, and I'm a little bit more intentional uh, than that. I like, I much prefer to have a, a conversation with my boys, or if we watch something that it's like, it's interactive, you know, that we're talking about it. That we, you know, there's there's the kind of something that's really going on that's relational and not just to turn your brain off, sit down and be entertained until the day's over. So there's uh there's a great heritage that I have. My parents having you know given me a good start, And so many things did have that intentionality, but boy, parenting really is that process of uh, the Lord growing you up and showing you how ultimately to get your children's hearts. I guess if I summed up what it means to be intentional, it's that at the end of the day, the thing that's the most important to you is that you have the heart of your wife and that you have the heart of your children. And that means you got to know your own heart and be wrestling with the the dark corners that are there and bringing those into the light. And then it, it means sacrificing, it means serving, it means giving up you know, things that you might want to do in order to be available. And you know, when you've got six kids, that's a lot of availability. Yeah. <laughs> because, how do you,
0: how do you make that work to get to know their hearts and be connected with their hearts when you have six kids?
1: Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a tough thing. You know, uh, and I were talking about this uh, just the other day on another podcast, there's so much difference between our boys and some of them, it's really easy. Like I've got common interests with them with, with really all my boys, but, but then there are other interests that they have that are really not so much me and it's a matter of saying, well, that doesn't matter. They don't have to do what I love. It doesn't have to be the, the Troy show. Let's honor them. Let's celebrate them. Let's let's pursue those interests that they have. And it's neat because I've I've learned some things, and I've learned to think and feel and, and just do life a different way in some of the nuance, you know, but by, by studying their little hearts and minds and talking about the things that they want to talk about, um, I think that's an important thing because when you – when you value what they value, then they feel like they can trust you. Hmm. And that's really, that's an investment that you make every day. It's not just like, we're going to plan a, a getaway trip, just you and dad, or we're going to you know do uh, this one special thing, or there's this thing that we always do together. But if you're not in some of the other details of their life and their everyday, there's important things that you miss. And it's uh, I think it's a constant work to connect with our, our children and study them, know them, understand them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you, you know, giving attention to that before you've even mentioned opening God's word or praying. You're unlocking a heart, gaining access before you try to direct a heart, which I think is really Absolutely. powerful. Yeah.
1: And part of that, too, is, you know, living, living out loud. You know, you, you certainly want to sit down and open God's word and teach them from that. But when you are living that out yourself and you're letting God teach you, and it's not just something that's done in the dark, you know, there's that important part and that, that uh, you know, that closet prayer and <laughs> scripture reading just for you yourself is something that ultimately I think bears tremendous importance. They see that. But I think more, you know, taking that this the step further is living that out. You know, you make a mistake in front of them, you, you lose your temper or, there's some, some, something that you do and you kind of step all over it. When they see you saying, gosh, I'm sorry. Like I, that that was just a really sinful response and I'm, I'm convicted and I've I've asked the Lord to forgive me and I'm just coming and saying, I'm sorry. And I want you guys to forgive me too. Pray for me. Then when you sit down and you read the Bible, it's like the impression that they have is that it's already had its impact on dad. You know what I mean? They've seen the word at work in your life. And and that's important because I think a lot of times, you know, when the Bible is opened up, it's like, oh, it's Bible time. It's like this add-on or this thing that we pause from everyday life to to do that thing that we ought to do. And then we get back to everyday life. And I think that's a, a paradigm that we've got to constantly work against because it's a
0: bad way to think. Yeah, I'm, I think what I'm hearing from you and what I've kind of borne witness to from afar is – what you value is a a walking alongside or knowing the truth in your own time or sharing the truth with your kids, but then a processing the truth together. And that's where perhaps as parents, it's that step of us having our own time or us understanding the truth for ourselves that we haven't actually grasped how the gospel could be applied in that moment. Like when you said... I apologize. That was a sinful response. That language for someone listening might be new language. So yeah. Yeah, it's how would, so like, let's have a training right now. Like, what does that mean to you? What is a sinful response? Because we hear that word sin and some people don't grasp it.
1: Right. You know, there's a fantastic verse at the end of Second Timothy uh, 3.16. It says, all scripture is given by God and is useful for teaching, right? Telling us what God wants us to know. Or rebuking, like in the midst of teaching, there are things that that are brought up in our life. It's like, oh, drat Like that, I'm 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 not in line with that teaching, right? So it brings the rebuke. The next thing it says, correcting. Well, it's not just bringing the smack down. it's bringing the medicine that will repair us. And then the final component is training in righteousness. In other words, breaking an old pattern and establishing a new one to where it becomes the way in which you walk. So, Second Timothy three sixteen is just it's a it's one of those core life verses for me. And I come to God's word every day reading it, just knowing like I'm going to get taught. I'm going to get rebuked. There's going to be a way to correct. And I want to be walking. I want to be trained in righteousness. So, you know, for the, for the parent who it doesn't have all the fancy nomenclature, right? All the bible Bibleese talk. And it doesn't matter. Read a Bible. Read a passage a day. Read through the Psalms. And what you'll find is that your understanding of who God is and what He's done, and just the, the ins and outs of the gospel, will be there. And then you'll find that coming out in your conversation with your kid, and being humble enough to be transparent about when you've been rebuked. You know, um, it may be some deep-seated, long, <laughs> troubling issue in your life. It may just be the temper lost, you know, with mom or with the kids or, or whatever, uh, you know, earlier in the day that kind of candor and you know response with our kids and conversation that, that's just gold for them. It wins their hearts and shows them the influence of the word, Anna.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I'm thinking of an example. My own life habits, you know, they get away from you and you aren't having your time in God's word and with Lent, I was like, okay, I'm going to work through this Lent study in Jeremiah and I'm reading it and conviction is hitting me as the Lord is speaking through Jeremiah to the Israelites of how they have allowed these idols to turn their hearts and to forget. And I'm thinking, okay, God, I hear you loud and clear. And the guilt is pure. It's pure guilt. It's not, you know, I'm not feeling overwhelmed by the guilt. I'm feeling compelled to turn to my back to my first love, you know? And so as I'm driving the boys to school later, I'm thinking, this is something I could do. This is a nugget I could share. You know, guys, I was thinking, I was reading through and, and reading through the story of the Israelites and how they forgot about God and the land He'd taken them to, and they turned to foreign idols and and they were exiled. I, I was convicted of my own times. I'm choosing other things over Him. And anyway, I just I totally resonate with what you're saying. That it's God's work in my own heart that leads to conversations in the moment. And for for you, as you were, like you said. <laughs> always intentional. And you said you had to learn to release some of that. There are probably husbands, wives listening who <laughs> are bought into what we're saying so far, but maybe taking too much control and could possibly learn from what you've had to walk through. So what, what advice or could you tell us a bit more of that story of learning to release control?
1: At some level, that's a hard question to answer because there's just been so much, and it's yeah. I think there's two categories that the, that the change comes in. Sometimes it's just like something that was an idea or a belief about about God, or even some of the the practicalness of our theology that was wrong that we were just like flat out wrong about. And I'm and I'm trying to think of what would be a, a good example. You know, I, there's there's a lot of paradigm shifts. So, I, like one for example that. Early on, Ruth and I, we were exposed some, to some teaching that was really crucial. Um, some men that that helped us to understand that it's really easy with our with our kids to want to produce a child that's well behaved, that's well spoken, that's all these things, and we can raise up little Pharisees pretty easily, you know. And what that looks like is when they're when they're disobeying, when they're kind of off the chain, be it at a young age or even an older age. You know, we work to modify their behavior. My, You know, my growing up, because it wasn't a real deliberate gospel conversation in the everyday, there was that clear expectation of this is what you will not do. These are the things that we expect you to do. And if you go off the reservation, you're going to get disciplined. Yeah. And
0: there wasn't a
1: heart conversation. Yeah. Yeah, it It was external, right? And so what that meant was that somebody like me, and this truly was me, I was able to, um, be a pretty good kid. You know, I obeyed the rules. I gave all the appearances, but my heart wasn't in it. My heart was not there. And, um, that is obviously a very dangerous thing. You know, it would, like God says to Isaiah, you know, these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. Mm. The last thing that we want to do is, is teach our kids to honor God with their lips and not have their heart. And so there's been a lot of things around that big picture that, that, you know, my confidence was ill-placed. I thought, you know, hey, I can raise well-paid kids and I can, I can get appointed in the right direction. Well, what it ultimately meant, though, for me was understanding that there's only one remedy for what's wrong with their hearts, and that's the gospel. So when we have something so simple as temporal loss or somebody's caught in a lie or that sort of thing, it's not just the punishment. It's not just the consequences from having, you know, done that, that sinful thing in the moment. It's that follow-up conversation that says, no, but why do you think you did this? What was what was going on? And trying to get them to the point where they say, well, what was going on? Why do I do that? I ask my boys all the time, you know, I say, do you find it difficult to be selfish? Do you, do you find it hard to lose your temper? And they always wag their heads like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's actually really easy. I said, do you find it hard to actually be polite and kind? Yeah. Right? So – those kind of questions help illustrate that there's something wrong with our hearts. Said, so, but do you want to be kind? Do you, do you really enjoy the fruit of like being patient with your brothers and not losing your your cool with them? Do things usually go better? Yeah, yeah, they do. Right, so those are the kind of conversations that ultimately say, but there's something wrong with your heart. It's the same thing that's wrong with my heart. And that's why Christ had to die. You know, And I, with my young youngest boys, I, I tell them that all the time. Like, there's a reason why Jesus had to go to the cross It's because I'm, I'm kind of rotten to the core. And he had to deal with that. An important conversation to have with them, because if you manage to modify the behavior and then you praise the modification and you've kind of cemented some Phariseeism, if they think, Hey, all's cool because, you know, dad's cool with me. Mom's cool with me. And i generally polite and kind to uh, my brothers and I speak respectfully to adults and everybody tells me boy what great kids you've got they're so well behaved well hopefully hopefully it's from the heart hopefully it's because they're motivated to honor the Lord they're wanting to they're wanting to be God's man and not just wanting the accolade in the sense uh, around them to be that oh this kid has got it together that's powerful medicine to a kid you know when they get that that praise. That's why I, when I was running a school um, and would work with teachers, I would say, "Don't praise the child. Praise the work that the child has done." And that's a biblical model, I think, because Jesus doesn't say to those servants, "You know, like you guys rocked it. You're awesome." He says, "Well done, good and faithful servant." In other words, who we are is seen in our obedience, and He praises the obedience. And that's what makes him a good and faithful servant. So it's kind of a subtle way to look at it. But when you when you consider what's being said there, it's fundamentally different. Just say it that way. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. And I'm thinking as an adult, like you and I were probably raised more in the, a similar culture of Christianity and that performance, getting the accolades for performing. And I'm doing the untangling work now. And the thing that God's calling me, like for y'all to write this book The obedience is a success. Whether it's received, whether it sells, whether it makes a bestseller list, like that is not what God is concerned with. He's concerned with, did Troy, did Ruth, did they obey me and create and fulfill the purposes I'd plan in advance for them to do? And for me, it's like that, like keeping my eyes fixed on that because in a world of you know praise and numbers and followers, it's like, I have to do that work daily. And so if I can set my boys up, from a young age to keep their eyes fixed on God and his approval alone. Fantastic. <laughs> right, right. they will be a more set off, better set off than, than even I stand on my shoulders. You know what I mean? Like oh, absolutely. not doing this work later in life.
1: You know, Ruth and I have a, a little phrase that we, that we kind of throw back and forth, but between one another and certainly with the boys. Um, and I, and I say it regularly, Hey, remember it's an audience of one you know, whether we're writing books or running podcasts and and all the metrics in the the marketing that we do, that's just part of of all of that, if the core understanding is like, ah, this is ultimately for an audience of one and a belief that that God will use it as he sees fit. I think that's such a an important metric for anything that we would endeavor to do. I would I would hope that my boys would say, Hey, at the end of the day, what I want, what my parents want, what is going to re- generate a response from social media or my friends or or my professors whatever the case may be that's all secondary or even lower on the tone pool. the most important thing is that i know this is what god wants me to do i want to do it well in his power that he might be glorified in me that's a, that's an audience of one so you might stand in front of 10,000 people or 20,000 people someday and you can still stand in front of one person and know that you're doing it for him. I, that's one of those core things that I, that I try and get across to the boys.
0: It seems to me that y'all get a lot of time together because of the schooling from home and just where you're living. What advice do you have for the families that desire this kind of heart level relationship, this chance to to talk about truth as they go along the way, who are living more, phrenic lifestyles like just everything is going and blowing and hurry to get to school come home from school hurry to get homework done go off to sports hurry to get dinner in time for bed like do you have any advice because I feel like that's where a lot of families are living and then they see y'all with all this time and they there's like this desire for it but they don't know how to how to make it happen
1: right right um that's a great question because I you know we we obviously do live- very busy lives. It's just, it's kind of the modern world and there's so many things that fill in the gaps. I I think sometimes just an assessment of where our time is being spent in a day. Try to remember back before cell phones and social media and apps and, you know, what what did I do with all that time that I seem to spend, you know, chasing emails and sending text messages. and, And if you have social media, that can really take a tremendous amount of time. So, for example, I, I get cut to the chase in some of this. I, I told the boys at the beginning of the year, um, only two of our boys have phones, and, and there have been times when I've regretted even making that available to them because they're smartphones. You know, the ability to to go out and communicate, that was the motivation. But I knew full well that I was also going to give them access into a very dangerous world. And um, I told them at the beginning of the year, I said, boys, I want you to determine what you're going to use your phones for and only use it for that. So... When you take stock of where your time is going, it may be that you find we're all a little phone heavy or we're all a little entertainment heavy in, in this area or that area. Sometimes it's even hard stuff of like, I know you're trying to be in that like top 5% of employees in your company so that you get promoted, so that you're successful. Maybe you need to be in the top 10%. Right. Maybe you need to say no to a few things. Maybe you need to you know, reevaluate. Those are hard, hard conversations to have. And it's, it's never easy because there's a lot of details and it. Uh, there's a lot of things that are connected to that. But but certainly just saying, at the end of the day, my, my strategy is to have weekly solid time with my family and even daily solid time with my family. And in order to do that, I have to do A, B, C, you know, lay it out and set a small goal. Take, you know, take, take a, a goal that's a small step that you <laughs> that you can succeed at. And once you succeed in that, then you can say, well, I know I can because I did. So let's look, let's look at the next step. And just being that, that careful calculator and deliberately pursuing those things, it's really easy for me to just think like, ah, we'll get there eventually and live for a long time in that. Like, what's going to happen some days? Well, and then I have those honest moments where I'm like, I've been saying this for, golly, a couple of years now and I haven't done anything about it. I got to stop. You know, the insanity of doing the same thing and expecting different results is unfortunately all too common in my life. and It requires some, some honesty, anything that a family can do all together, even if it's small, even if it's not super long, but anything that just cements a, an activity and experience where everybody's doing it all together and you can do that on a regular basis. That's huge. You know, for us, we're blessed to live in a beautiful area. We jump in our, our four wheel drive and we drive up to the top of some mountain paths and we hike around and conversations happening during that time, we listen to good music together. We work through squabbles of little kids in the back who won't keep them hands, their hands to themselves. I mean, it's just kind of life on display, but we have that experience all together. And um, I think that's important. Our boys look forward to being all together as a family, doing that instead of everyone kind of going off to their own thing. Things like that, that that bring that intentionality, I think, is, 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 is a key part of winning arts and, and doing that, that deeper work of discipleship as parents.
0: What I love is that in this whole conversation, <laughs> there's been little talk of what I'm guessing people would have in their mind of what leading your family spiritually looks like. Like, I literally think in their head they they picture everyone sitting still in a circle with a Bible, <laughs> which is probably like a 0.1% of what you would said. It's connection. It's real. It's knowing God's truth for yourself. It's seeing the hearts of your kids and knowing where they are and helping them process their own hearts. It's not what we traditionally think and i i love that and then if you do need help on that 1% Troy and Ruth have this book Foundations that walks through 12 foundational truths if you did not grow up in a home where those were handed to you or you haven't worked those through for yourself it's 12 truths and then 5 days on each one with it's like a one page thing to read and some questions to process it, yeah, it's really super really straightforward
1: and easy to go through
0: yeah. And give us some encouragement for those of us who have that everyone needs to sit still and they need to honor God and be really solemn. And while we're doing this, can you just, I mean, I know you have a family of six boys. I have a family of four boys. The reality of times around God's word that have been like that, it's never happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, So release yeah. us from that burden of that image. Yeah.
1: Well, and you know, it's neat in the, the front of the book reason I have kind of multiple introductions. Like we have some stuff about family worship and, and then just some kind of personal encouragements and stuff that really lay out that there's a lot of different ways to to go about doing it. The teacher in me says boys and girls from a young age have definitely got to learn how to have enough self-control that they can sit quietly and listen. But that's just one skill of a lot of skills. And, you know, if we're, if we're aiming to get them to the point where they can do that, that's good and that's important. But the reality is, there's a lot of context in which you can teach a kid. And I, I talk often about teachable moments. It may be that what you, what you set out to do with just picking up your Bible and reading or a book like Foundations like we've written, uh, you sit down as a family and you kind of slog through it and you're telling people that, hey, please pay attention. Hey, please sit still, keep your hands to yourself. Uh, as you're reading this and you're trying to engage them and you, you get the sense that they're about half in. Well, that's okay. it really is okay and don't feel like you've completely failed because here's what's going to happen later that day sometime during the week something's going to happen and you're going to be able to say you know it's kind of like what we were reading the other day isn't it and then you pull them right back into the content of that material and they're like hmm, well yeah now that you mention it and I do think that when when it's not just something that we did and then we're done but it's something that that mom and dad are learning and and that they're thinking about, and then it's getting applied to a situation that they find themselves in. Hate sin, especially your own. That's one of the chapters that we, that we wrote, one of the foundations. And, um, you know, I specifically put in there, especially your own because it's really easy to hate somebody else's sin against you. It's, it's easy to just slap a broad label on sin. But then when you're working through a squabble in the everyday and you've read that chapter, then there's an opportunity to say, this is probably why they wrote that book, like, I hate sin, especially your own, because I hear you totally indignant about what your brother just did. But what about your side of it? So those are the kind of things that I, I think if you say hey, it's not a formula, I'm going to set a goal. We're going to read through this book at, you know at whatever pace. And maybe you change the plan, like, as you go. Elongate the the timeline for what it's going to take to get through it, you know, and maybe it's not every night, maybe it's two nights a week. That's fine. That's fine, but make the most out of those two nights. And when they see, you know, anything that we value, the people around us who watch the way that we live and hear the things that we say and where we invest our time and our efforts, they'll say that's valuable to them. Mm -hmm. Dad loves watching college ball, mom loves. Writing on her blog or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. When when there's that that family culture of like we sit down and we read the word and it's kind of messy sometimes and my little brothers you know can can really make the time difficult but we do it because we we want to and we love it. That that's something that takes time and a lot of trial and error to establish in a family.
0: Well, I know that y'all have been intentional about this. And like you said, since the beginning, but Ruth and I have been in this online space side by side for a while. And as you all have navigated job changes and moves and growth of her business, it has been inspiring to me as a mom of four boys to watch your boys grow up and to see that you've been able to maintain that priority of family community and culture and faith. And and to shine a light on it, that it's a possibility for other families, I think truly our entire culture and world benefits when the family unit is strong. And so we're praying for y'all as you now have this target on your back for standing up for family discipleship and this ministry. So thank you for thank you for doing it. Thank you for the podcast that you all have released too. If you all, you're a podcast listener, you're listening to this podcast right now. Go check out Troy and Ruth's Podcast Foundations.
1: Yeah, Foundations Podcast, I think is, is what it's called. I So I, I went to it for the first time just the other day uh, <laughs> in anticipation of it releasing because it's, it's brand new. And, uh, you know, you search up Foundations and a whole bunch of stuff comes up. But um, Foundations Podcast with Ruth and Troy is uh, the full title. And there's one that has been released. I think the next one drops on Thursday. And, you know, this first kind of go around is really just candid conversation, introducing each of the chapters. It, we, we try not to step on a lot of the content in it, but certainly give some of the heart behind it. And I think, you know, if you're a parent who's maybe ordered the book or you're thinking about ordering the book, I think the podcast will help with our modeling conversation about those topics, right? So we, we kick that around, we share some, some anecdotes, certainly from our own experience in training You know, lead our boys in uh, in
0: family devotions. I think it would be helpful for people. It's super helpful to me to hear you talk about things with your boys. Like when Ruth films you teaching from the table. um, (laughs) I mean, honestly, I was with my boys. I can't remember when, but I said, "What do you think is the only thing that will dispel our selfishness?" And they're listing off different random answers. And one person said, "The Bible, Sunday school answer." You know, they were kind of being silly and. I just think I had words because I'd heard you talking about it and bringing it up. And so I honestly, I think that modeling through your podcast and even what you've said today gets people thinking and ways that they can communicate to their kids that they hadn't considered before. So it's super helpful.
1: Well, I, I really, I really hope so. And I'll, I'll just, I'll be dead honest, like, I would not say I've stolen, but boy, I've taken a lot of really good stuff. I I stand on the shoulders of a lot of giants, you know, everything from books that old dead guys wrote to, (laughs) you know, other things that I've heard on, on podcasts. And I love to be always reading both my Bible and just other books and not just spiritual books, even like I love to be in a book and have something that just like kind of floors me and start sharing that with the boys and then dovetail that into scriptural truths and principles and stuff like that. And I would say, you know, if you struggle to do that with your kids and you don't mind the sound of my voice and you want to, you want to try and give it a listen and just take what I said and apply it like even word for word, I don't care. The important thing is that we're having that conversation with our kids and it doesn't come naturally. Like I'm clearly a teacher. I can't shut up. You know, you, you give me a half a min- minute to, to give a lesson and three minutes later, you're like, okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's me. That's not yeah. everybody. And that's okay. Yeah. But I do think that this podcast, I think that the foundation's book, that the way that we wrote it being conversational for somebody maybe who struggles to know how to do that with their kids. I think this is going to be really good encouragement and a really just good example of that. One of the things we do in the podcast, I'll, I'll just tell you real quick, we have a Ask Ruth and Troy segment. And so we, we get questions all the time through, you know, Ruth's various social media routes and stuff. And we we take on some of those. And I think that's something that's going to certainly continue on, just that kind of ask Ruth and Troy. You know, some of it may be helpful. Some of it may be like, uh, okay, yeah, whatever, that might work for you. But that's never going to fly at our house. And that's fine, too. But I, I do think that there are resources that are there in the midst of that conversation that will encourage people to uh, to hear it.
0: And I think it's, it's okay that it's not your original stuff, Troy. We need you to translate it, the old guys for us, because we don't all have time <laughs> to read it. And so we appreciate you being that curator and um, communicator uh, for those that maybe that's not their talent or, or giftedness. So we really appreciate you. I will point everyone to your site and to the podcast in our show notes. And just thank you for your time. Thank you for your leadership in this.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me on the show, Heather. I really appreciate it. and appreciate the ministry that you've got there at do uh, at Dome Mom Alone.
0: So if you're listening to this episode when it releases in March of 2020 and possibly your community is kind of shutting down, major events are stopping, trips are being canceled, classes are being held at home, what better time? You're not making the excuses that I'm too busy. There is a chance, an opportunity to maximize the time that you have with your children, to not lecture them, but to play a card game, to show interest in what they're interested in. I think this becomes a little more difficult as our kids enter the school age years and if you don't homeschool. So if you're in that stage, I'm kind of maybe talking to myself here to recognize that this uh, event that's happening globally, The silver lining would be that families would come together, grow stronger, and that we wouldn't make the excuse that we don't have time to be in God's word together, but that we would use that time wisely. I'm going to pray over us. Lord, I know that you are not a God of fear. I know that you are in control. I also know that there are people suffering in this world and tragedy has struck on a global level and I pray for peace. Lord, a spirit of peace to fall upon anyone who is listening. I pray that they would be drawn close to you, that they would hear the truth that you want to whisper to their hearts. I pray for wisdom for all of us, discernment and knowing how to lead our families. And we know ultimately, God, that you are the one who holds our souls, that we are safe within your hands, that Death doesn't even have a hold on us, that eternal life is promised with salvation. I thank you, Lord, for that security. And if someone is listening and doesn't have that security, that they would turn to you and that they would recognize that you are the one true God, that you did send your son, that he took all of the sin, all the brokenness in this world on himself, and he died but did not stay dead, that he rose again, that he is sitting by your side and that belief in him is all it takes to be reconciled to you and to live with you forever. I thank you, Lord, for the gifts of our kids and how we can lead them and that this is just more motivation to get ourselves right with you and to make time to be in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks y'all for listening. Maybe you noticed that this episode didn't have any, ads. Well, that's actually because I'm making a transition. I am going to be uh signing on with a new company and they are working towards matching me with some new sponsors. And I want to just let you know that the reason we have sponsors is that it costs a lot of money to produce this show. Maybe you listen to other shows that don't have ads. That may be because that person has their own money they're spending or they are working with a ministry, and as part of the non-for-profit, they take donations. This show is free to you only because we are able to have amazing sponsors. So the best way to support this show, I don't have any other donation option other than support the sponsors I'm going to be sharing over the next couple of months. Go check them out. Let them know that you heard about them from me. That is the best way to give back. Uh, to the Don't Mom Alone podcast, and also to share with your friends, to let them know, because honestly, that encourages them in their motherhood journey, because especially uh, if we're all going to be isolated in our homes, that we would be still connected through uh, this (laughs) virtual community. It is not the ultimate community in my mind, but if we have something, at least we have encouragement over the interwebs. Thanks y'all for listening. I have some great episodes already recorded and coming up even more. All right, adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you